when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Very good Tuesday morning to you as uh, Simon on The Breakfast Show was saying earlier where we have this nice mild weather, well mild for this uh, time of year. It looks like we're in for a spell of cold weather. How cold it's going to be and how long it's going to last I don't know at this stage but certainly by the weekend I think we will be getting out the winter woolies that we haven't really been wearing uh, so far this winter. So enjoy the mild spell that's there at the moment and we were inundated yesterday with the amount of people when we started talking about the mild weather and how the you know the seasons are, are changing and certainly it's particularly mild this year the number of people who contacted us when I mentioned daffodils and in my garden the leaves of the daffodils are well up but I don't have a daffodil in bloom yet but the amount of people who contacted us from all over the county but particularly from North Cork and in and around the Mallow area I don't know if Mallow has been particularly milder than other areas but people saying you know lots and lots of daffodils blooming in their garden and people saying when they're out and about driving they've noticed daffodils and um, uh, snowdrops uh, are out uh, as well so it's the, all down to the nice mild weather but of course the downside to that is people need to get out and cut the grass because there's growth in the grass as well. John Paul is taking your calls today at 1850 333 103. Anything you want to share with us we would love to hear from you or you can text or WhatsApp 086 103. A variety of issues to get through today including in just uh, a couple of minutes we're going to be talking about MEP for the South Brian Crowley. Uh, Brian Crowley has decided to hold a press conference on Thursday of this week and he says in the press conference he is going to discuss his recent ill health and he's also going to discuss his future plans and of course the future plans, everyone else starting to speculate, will he be announcing at that press conference that he's going to retire from politics or is he going to say he's going to run in the next European elections because the next European elections are now just months away. They're they're going to be held in May of this year. Now Brian Crowley is the this country's longest serving representative in the European Parliament but and there is a but he has the worst voting record of the last five years not just of any Irish MEP but of all the MEPs across Europe because of course he has been battling medical issues 
since he was re-elected in 2014 and I don't actually think he sat one day in the European Parliament since he was elected in 2014. Now his offices have remained open. He's an office in Ireland's South constituency and he also has a his Brussels uh, office continues to operate but he's never been in Parliament to vote uh, on any issue. And obviously there's been some criticism with the whole Brexit thing because Brexit would have happened while he was out um, sick with his, uh, with his medical issues. Um, so people were saying you know is the South being properly represented? represented? Are we down in MEP because of Ryan Crowley's uh, ill health. There was the option for him to step aside. I mean, all of the MEPs have that option. There's always somebody there ready to take. They don't. There doesn't have to be another election when an MEP, for whatever reason, decides to step down or God forbid if they pass away they have a substitute ready to stand stand in place so there was a substitute re- ready but Brian Crowley you know stuck to his guns and said no he was going to remain as an MEP and he hasn't from as far as I know he hasn't given any press interviews since he got re-elected in uh, 2014. I know John Paul has put feelers out a number of times uh, to him to see if he would be interested in talking to us. I know he's been spent a lot of time in hospital and we were willing to travel to the hospital to pre-record an interview with, with him, but he always declined uh, the invitation. So this is going to be the first chance for the press to talk with Brian Crowley. And, you know, as I say, it's going to be a lot of interest as to what his future plans are. Will he retire or will he say, no, I'm going to run again in May of this year. Your thoughts and comments welcome because certainly over the last number of years, every now and again, we would have people contact us saying, what's happening with Brian Crowley? People genuinely worried. I mean, this guy, this, you know, the fact that he is the country's longest serving representative in the European Parliament, certainly a vote getter, a poll topper. If my memory serves me right, the last election in 2014, he had the highest vote in Ireland not just the highest vote for Ireland, he topped the poll for Ireland South, obviously, but he's the highest vote uh, in Ireland. So he is a vote-getter and he is, as a politician, he's a guy that was really liked. So, you know, we would have heard from people over the the years, particularly since, you know, people started to hear that he was unwell, wondering how he was doing, what's wrong with him, you know, what what are his long-term plans people wanted to know. So we'll definitely find out for sure from Thursday, but we're going to talk about that on the programme today. Your thoughts and comments are welcome. We're also going to hear a little bit of good news for motorists. Fuel prices are down. They are at their lowest level. I think the petrol are its lowest level since August of 2017. And diesel is at at their lowest level since April of last year. So that's certainly uh, good news. Uh, It has prompted Heidi to WhatsApp to say, Patricia, something I would like to know about fuel prices in Cork. My friend was in Dublin recently and prices there are a good bit cheaper. As you will see from the photograph she sent me, a barrel of crude oil is down in price and I know it takes time to reach the petrol pumps. But here in rural areas, people travel longer distances. Hence, we use more fuel. So why not better pump prices? And the example in the photograph in Dublin, diesel at €1.18, whereas Heidi said her local garage is selling diesel at €1.31. That is that is a big difference. One eighteen to one thirty one. Big difference if you're filling up your, your tank and you've got a big car which takes a lot of litres of uh, diesel. Big, big difference. 
So we will talk about that and we will talk about, I mean, the reason the fuel prices is coming down is is to do with the barrel of uh, crude oil. How long more is it going to last? But of course, the, the main reason that we pay so much in this country for our fuel prices, something we've discussed many, many times in the past, it's the amount of tax that the government adds to every single litre of petrol and every single litre of diesel. Uh, if you were to remove all of the tax, we would be paying very, very little uh, to fill up our car. And I don't think anyone would ever be suggesting that all of the tax should be removed from the price of fuel. But certainly you would think that some of it could be removed, especially when the prices have been you know, getting higher and higher. I mean, 2018 was a dreadful year when it came to fuel prices. I think month on month I was reading uh, reports of fuel going up. So it's good to see that it is starting to come down. But it's still it's coming down from a very high level. So it's going to take uh, quite some time for people to be comfortable with the amount of money that they're, they're paying to fill up their tanks. But I think Heidi does make a good point about people in rural areas uh, who have to travel longer dis- distance and where a car isn't a luxury. A car is essential. If you opt to live in rural Ireland and you need to get from A to B, there isn't a bus, a train, uh, a Lewis or a Dart outside your door. So therefore you have to get in the car to do anything to get to work, to go to your shopping, to drop your children to school, whatever it may be. So the car is essential. It is not a luxury. And because of that, we're always going to end up paying more for our, we, we will pay more on our fuel prices because we will use more petrol just simply to get about our, our normal life. And just to, to, to live a normal life where somebody in, in, the, in an urban area or in a city can decide to leave the car at home or if fuel prices get too expensive, they can opt to use public transport instead. Instead, people in rural areas don't always have, uh, don't have those luxuries. So the car is their only means of uh, transport. So we're going to discuss that on the programme uh, today. Landlords looking for personal information, including links to social media before being considered for renting a property. That's what we're hearing from some people when they hear of a property up for rent and they contact the letting agency or they contact the landlord directly and personal information like PPS numbers and people looking for employment records. don't know if they're quite looking for bank details, but certainly they're looking for links to social media, to your social media platforms. And, I, and I'm assuming the idea being, you know, we, we have a tendency to tell all about our lifestyles on our Facebook or our Instagram or our Twitter account Um, and the idea being that a landlord wants to check out and get out the best tenant and of course landlords can do that at the moment because now when a house goes up for rent there are so many people looking to rent it it really is the landlord's decision who they're going to give the property to or not. Now I can see it from both sides. I can see it as being very um, an invasion of one's privacy from the tenant's point of view but I can also see it from the landlord's point of view. We've heard in the past of landlords who've been stung by bad tenants. We've heard of, we would have spoken with landlords over the years who got caught with a tenant who wouldn't pay rent and then the lengths they had to go to to get the tenant out of the property. We've heard from landlords who say that when they got the property back from the tenant it was absolutely thrashed. Uh, now there's been there's bad landlords there as well because by God we've done enough interviews with tenants who have been uh, forcibly evicted from houses and wrongly evicted in, in some cases and people have been told they to leave the property because the property is going up for sale and then we discovered afterwards the property wasn't uh, sold. So, you know, there's there's two sides to the coin. But I can see if a landlord has been stung by bad tenants in the past and irresponsible tenants, I can kind of see if I had a property 
that I want, would want to make sure that I'm going to rent it to the best possible tenant. So therefore, would you do all of the investigation that you could? And if part of that investigation meant checking out somebody's social media page, maybe, maybe it is the way to go. And it seems there's nothing illegal in what landlords are doing by asking for all of that kind kind of information. So we're going to be discussing it today on the programme but I'd like to hear from any tenant have you been put through the ringer when you go to rent a property? Has the landlord asked you for personal information that you felt you, you, don't, you didn't need to share with a, a landlord? Tell us about it please or if you're a landlord you know Admit, have you looked for the information? Why have you looked for the information? Uh, and by, by getting all this personal information, did it dictate, did it help you decide who you were going to rent the property to? 1850 333103. Uh, I can see some of the phone lines have been busy already this morning and I know it's frustrating if you're not getting through. Uh, but John Paul doing his best to answer the calls. So if you don't get through on the phone, always feel free to send us a text or a WhatsApp and we can give you a call back when the lines are a little less busy. 086 to 103103 to text or to WhatsApp. We're going to be hearing about a, a, a General Liam Tobin who played a pivotal role in the War of Independence. A plaque is going to be unveiled to remember Liam Tobin in North Cork next week. We're going to find out a little bit more about this uh, gentleman on the programme today. And Pamela Swain. Pamela Swain um, has, and if you don't know who Pamela Swain is yet, you you certainly will get to know her over the next number of weeks because she has been picked as one of the leaders for Operation Transformation for this year which started last week. Now I was away when the first episode was aired so I watched it on uh, Catch Up last night and I really am looking forward to chatting with Pamela Swain later on the programme she is from y'all and what a bubbly lovely bubbly bright young lady who I think is going to do really really well in this competition and uh, we are hoping to help her along the way and chat with her through her journey we had great fun last year with Wayne O'Donnell from Mallow when Wayne was one of I think he was the was he youngest leader last year for Operation Transformation but we had great fun with Wayne last year and we're hoping to do the same with Pamela Swain from y'all today and I mentioned Pamela yesterday on the programme because there was that wonderful photograph on the front page of the examiner of the people who turned out for her walk at the weekend huge number of people turned out for the walk so it does look like she's got tremendous support from the people of y'all and the surrounding areas and that's what you kind of need when you're put when you're being brave enough to go on tv and bear all and by god in operation transformation you literally do bear all i know i was chatting with a, a, a gp one day who while he you know thought the Operation Transformation programmes were great but he was very much against the idea of getting the contestants to come out in Lycra underwear um, that he almost felt like it was a little bit humiliating and they didn't really need to do that you know you can have somebody come out in a tracksuit and get weighed in you know, you're, you're going to be weighed in the very same way as opposed to having somebody stand there in, in Lycra but it's the format of the show so I suppose when people sign up for it they know what they're signing up for so we'll speak with uh, Pamela later on today so that and more and whatever you would like to have us discuss contact us This is the Court Today replay on C103 Cork, the world of dating has changed. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships now begin on a dating site. At C103, our listeners are keen to meet a compatible other half and we're more than happy to make the introduction on our very own dating site. Register for free at c103dating.ie and meet new people that want to meet you too. Opportunity awaits. 
Start your love story today at c103dating.ie. Follow C103 on Facebook. Join us today. Search C103. Now this Thursday, Fianna Fáil MEP Brian Crowley will hold a press conference where he will discuss his recent ill health and his future plans. Writing about it in today's Irish Times is Barry Roach, who uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome. Now we have European elections this May. Is it possible that Brian Crowley may decide to run again? It is, but I suppose to be absolutely fair, what we know as of now is simply the following, that an invite was sent out yesterday to the press. Uh, Brian Coley, MEP, will give a press conference to discuss his recent ill health and future plans and cover any and all topics the press may wish to raise with him. And that's taking place at the Rochestone Park uh, Hotel on Thursday at lunch. So that's all they're officially saying. Unofficially, they're not saying anything else to be fair to them. Uh, Manus O'Callaghan, his spokesman, has been very tight about that. But what I think is interesting is... Um, in the invite, there actually is, it includes some biographical information about Brian Crowley and his, um, what they describe as an Irish political phenomenon, and undoubtedly that is the case because he's an extraordinary record as a vote-getter. He's topped the poll in every European election that he's run since 1990, just check my figures here, 1994, so 53%, 1999, 34%, 2004, 25%, 2009, 23%, and 2014, back up to 27%. And just look at his figure for... Um, Absolutely, and and I was I was reading down through it myself before I came on air. I mean, and one of the sentences in it is, in short, Brian Crowley is trusted by his electorate to represent them with dignity and also be a voice fearlessly on the people's side. That looks Absolutely. like you're se- that looks like you're setting out a stall for re-election. It would seem to me to be that, and I think there's a number of issues that he'd have to uh, answers or questions to answer. First of all, is this issue of his health. Mm. He was elected back in 2014, but hasn't sat or attended Parliament at all. And he's rated by uh, vote tracking, I think, the organisation. Um, they uh, vote watch Europe, sorry, think tank, think tank that tracks Parliament votes and actions. Mr. Vo- Crowley's voting record ranks 751st out of 751 MPs. He didn't attend, so he has to address that issue for the electorate if he's going to go again. You see, of is his health such that he would allow him to resume his career as, as an MEP. He has to address that and give assurances. But if he does that, then look at the figures. I think he's in... And if he does decline, decide to run, and as I say, it's speculation, but reading, trying to read between the lines in the press release and the invite, as it were, then certainly uh, it would seem to me that it's very detailed, and as you picked up on that line there, he's trusted by his electorate. But what stands from this time out... Um, is the fact that because of Brexit and the fact that the UK is withdrawing from the Europe, European Union, the Parliament, I think, has 73 or 75 extra seats allocated, and Ireland is getting a share of those. So Ireland South goes from being a four-seater to a five-seater. Yeah. So when you look at that, you think, hang on, what's the current makeup? The current makeup is Brian Cody himself. 
Sinn Fein Lini Reda and Pinigel too with Sean Kelly and Jerry Clune. Pinigel presumably would be hoping to retain their two seats, as would um Sinn Fein Lini Reda. Though interestingly look at her vote in twenty she got hundred twenty five thousand votes and nineteen percent. Compare that and bear in mind that's Ireland so compare that with her uh, performance in the presidential the entire country. She actually got ninety four thousand or sorry, ninety three thousand nine hundred odd, six point three percent. So her vote in the presidential and I suppose anyone looking at that from a European point of view would say well we shouldn't maintain that vote so you know her seat is by no means guaranteed Fianna Fáil obviously will seek to run somebody the question of course is Brian Coley remains a member of Fianna Fáil would he run for Fianna Fáil indications are because of his move or rather Fianna Fáil's move from a conservative grouping in Europe to a liberal grouping he stayed conservative grouping as I understand it uh, were mainly composed I think of British Tories and Eurosceptics so he's out of sync, as it were, with the party's thinking that. And we understand that Michael Martin was not best pleased when he decided not to transfer with the other Fianna Fáil MEPs to the Liberal grouping. The question is, would he get a Fianna Fáil nomination? I think if he was to run, he'd have to at least to go through the process of seeking Fianna Fáil nomination. And if he was refused that, then that would enable him to say to his supporters, well, I thought the party nomination, they didn't uh, back me on the running as an independent. And there's a very real chance that we think on... Um, the figures he has, I mean, he's a quarter and a half. He could drop 50,000 votes and still be elected. Mm. Um, as an independent, in a five-seater, uh, he's, I would think, well-positioned. The other thing that he is going in his favour is, you might say, that 2014 was five years ago. We've seen a lot of change in Ireland since then. We've seen um, marriage equality introduced. We've seen uh, the Eighth Amendment repealed. So we've seen a lot of liberal legislation uh, brought in, which would be at odds with Brian Coley. But you must remember that something like one-third of the population voted or opposed the repeal of the eighth. I don't have the figures in front of me for those opposing marriage equality. So there's a very definite conservative constituency yeah, out there. That, yeah. uh, and actually, actually, when you're talking about would he run for Fianna Fáil or, or, or for, uh, in, for, as an independent, what I thought was also interesting in that press release uh, that was issued yesterday when it's, it's Brian Crowley MEP, Fianna Fáil isn't mentioned anywhere in it. That is true as well. It isn't mentioned at all. And the other point I was just going to make on that, on that fact that there is clearly a very conservative constituency out there who presumably would feel now that they're not represented by the mainstream political parties. He could tap into that. And if you go back to the presidential, the vote that Peter Casey got, uh, 342,000, obviously some of those feel disenfranchised by the main political parties. Again, he could tap into that. And just thinking off the top of my head, uh, I haven't seen the exact figures from my recollection, Peter Casey polled particularly well in Limerick, temporary mm. two monster counties, which would obviously be um, significant within a Europe uh, and South constituency as well. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot going for him if you were to, but as I say, at the moment, it's all speculation. Yeah, and he's got a lot of questions to answer first. A lot of questions By the way, first, have, yeah. have, has there been any details of the nature of his ill health? He's no, been in hospital a lot of the time. He was, but I think people media-wise were very respectful of that. And uh, Manasseh Fallon, I know my colleague Pat um, Lee at some stage in last September, I think, uh, raised this with uh, Mr. Callan. He said, uh, spokesman for Mr. Cody declined to address the issue of his absence in the European Parliament and the impact it was having on his constituents. He told their terms in September that Mr. Cody would make no comment until he's finished with the doctors. No, we understand he's been in and out of hospital, but that he remained, even when he was out of hospital, he was under doctor's care. It didn't lie easy with his um, substitute on the Fianna Fáil panel, Kieran Parkley from Waterford, who um, called 27, or just looking here, sorry, 29,000 votes. He last year uh, commented that 
that um, he was very vocal he was uh, very, saying very vocal. that, he said, that uh, he should stand aside he was not interested in, yes he should stand aside he said Brian Crowley was not interested in representing people of Ireland South it's all about Brian Crowley and he argued that the voters in Ireland South were disenfranchised by Mr Crowley's non-attendance in Europe so within King of All obviously there was some unhappiness there were suggestions I think Kieran Hartley was urging Michael Martin to move against Brian Crowley but he didn't so um, it's been a difficult four years for him obviously hopefully we'll get some insight as to how he cope with that but his his constituency office both here in Ireland South and in Brussels remained opened during the four years continue continue functioning yes indeed yeah okay well Um, we will will, and this is the first time that Brian Crowley has spoken since 2014 yeah yeah. it will be in actual fact yeah because uh, I think he after the election I think he was hospitalised not long after that yeah for a considerable period after that initially my understanding is but he's been very much off the political radar I suppose for the last four years um, and you know despite various calls from step aside and so forth he didn't respond so uh, tomorrow will be an opportunity for him I suppose to okay. explain his situation and very and finally con- some convince some people if there's that he's fit to, to run again you know somebody I can see a couple of texts coming in with the same question if he didn't sit in the parliament uh, since 2014 was he on full pay and he was wasn't he my understanding is he was his pay yeah. Eight thousand four hundred and eighty-four uh, salary a month and expenses of uh, four thousand three hundred. So there are questions he's going to ask, have yeah. to answer, and uh, may find himself being challenged on on the doorstep by people. But you know, five seats, um, Gael looking to take two, uh, hold there two, Sinn Féin holding one, Fianna Fáil. I mean, look at the figures for Labour and the Greens; they're unlikely to um, everything feature given their percentage in the opinion polls. So. You know, it may be very much all to play for him and uh, may open up for him to come back. But as I say, it's all speculation until Thursday. Okay, and we wait with interest to hear what he has to say on Thursday. Listen, Barry, I appreciate that. Thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. That is uh, Barry Roach, who is the Southern Correspondent with the Irish uh, Times. 1850-333-103. Patricia, if Mr Brian Crowley has the worst record in office, who would vote for him, says uh, Mary. Uh, Tim says Brian Crowley is now outside of the Fianna Fáil fold. What about his uh, secretary, Mr. Harty, says uh, Tim. And another text in saying the, from a different Tim, saying the Irish South constituency is slightly larger and has an extra seat, I think. Yeah, that's what we were just discussing with Barry. Uh, the dissidents, the dissidents, Michael McGrath and John McGuinness, are likely to stand and win. McGrath will potentially go far in the parliament, uh, even could end up as president. Uh, also, Tim feels um, Leonie Ria that did herself damage in the presidential election. But with that extra seat, it does make for Ireland South to be an interesting constituency. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest latest traffic information we'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day and of course we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits C103 Motorists have received some positive news to start the new year as the AA's monthly fuel prices survey found that the average cost of a litre of petrol is the lowest since August of 2017 with diesel
diesel at its lowest price since April of last year. Joining me, Senior Media Officer with the AA, uh, Barry Aldworth. Uh, good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, Patricia. How this, are you? Uh, I'm very well. This really is good news because last year, that was really dominated, wasn't it, by high fuel costs? Absolutely. Last year, I think the story when we look at pump prices was A, volatility and B, prices trending largely in one direction, which was upwards. So there were a couple of factors in that. Mainly the price of crude oil shot up early in the year and stayed at a high level and kind of bounced around a bit then really for most of the year, which meant we were paying more for our petrol Basically, every month we saw prices going up, and I think people were starting to feel the pinch with that. So it's certainly positive that, you know, this month we're reporting that fuel prices are trending down. And we saw the same trend last month, so it does look like we've got a little bit of relief, at least for now. Now, how long that relief will last is anyone's guess, and there's fellas being paid uh, millions across the globe to try to work that out. But we'll and the reason, the reason is that it's a drop in the crude oil price? Yes, that's the main factor behind the drop we're seeing now. So crude oil really kind of was probably at an unsustainably high level for much of 2018. It's now come back to a level more in line with where it has been historically. So at the moment, it's kind of floating between 55 and $65 a barrel, whereas for 2018, you were talking about prices between 75 and 85 So that's the main difference. And I think You know, while we are certainly welcoming a drop in prices, that's the reason. It's not a case of governments kind of reassessing the extent of taxation on fuel. We've just gotten fortunate with one of the main factors breaking the way of motorists. So what are the average prices then at this time? Uh, So at the moment, on a national average, we're looking at about 132.9 for a litre of petrol, 127.9 for a litre of diesel. And you you do, of course, see regional variations within that. People may find that their local station is a bit higher, a bit lower. And with that in mind, most important message is shop around. Don't fall into the habit of just going to the same petrol station every time you top up. And when I mentioned you were coming on um, earlier on this topic, Barry, the the one question and topic that keeps coming up every time. Why are there regional variations? Why would you have a price difference sometimes with garage forecourts that can be just across the road from each other? So again, there's there's a number of factors within that. Firstly, it'll depend on the contracts that the individual garages have and who their suppliers are and what the suppliers are charging. You'll also have, you know, again, some uh, some wholesalers or some retailers, sorry, will be willing to make less of a profit on petrol or diesel because they're hoping that if we can get you in the door when you're buying your fuel, you might also buy a coffee oil you're in here or a litre of milk, and that's where they're actually making a margin. Generally speaking, the profit on fuel sales is pretty low. So again, just comes back to the individual retailer. They may be in a better position to offer a discount, and that is one of the other reasons why we should all get into the habit of shopping around. If you are being seen to shop around and people are doing so, it then puts the retailers in your community into that mindset where they have to be competitive with their pricing. Because we have a tendency to be loyal, don't we, to our garages? 
Absolutely. I think, you know, we all fall into that habit of, you know, there's a, a certain petrol station that's on the commute home and it's easy and, you know, we, we just go in there just because it's there. Yeah. But realistically, when you look at petrol and diesel stations, they're one of few shops which have to display their prices in a very open and prominent manner before you even walk in the door. They're up in the forecourt, so they're the first thing you'll see as you're pulling in. So get into the habit of checking that. You know, when you are passing the station, before you pull in, before you turn, you start, you know, the process of topping up, check the price and have a look at it and see, you know, hold on, is that in line with what I'm seeing elsewhere? And get into the habit of yeah. even just, you know, on the course of your commute, the, keeping an eye out for us. One, one of our listeners, uh, Heidi, earlier on, sent in a photograph of her, her friend was in Dublin and is wondering, are the, the Dublin petrol and diesel prices cheaper? She sent in a photograph of a Dublin forecourse where diesel was at 118, whereas Heidi said in West Cork, where she's buying her petrol, it's 131. Yes, so again, that comes back. You're going to see more regional variation. It may be the case that, you know, in West Cork, maybe there's less competition, there's less retailers that are selling petrol or diesel than you may have in Dublin, so they're able to charge a bit more for it. It may also be the case that to get, uh, to get petrol or diesel into those stations is a bit more effort, takes longer, they have to pay more to a supplier. So obviously, you know, for that person, she can't come from West Cork to Dublin to try to and make up, savings yeah. on her fuel. But still no harm to just keep an eye within yeah. the region. Yeah, shop, shop around is, is certainly the main message. And of course, the main reason for high fuel costs here in Ireland is what uh, certainly the AA you'd call excessive tax taxes. Yes, I think if you look at both fuels, we're really talking about a worryingly high extent of tax rate on them. So on your litre of diesel, we estimate at the moment, about 64% of that is made up of tax on your litre of uh, sorry, your litre of petrol is 64% tax. Your litre of diesel is about 58%. So again, this you know this comes back to when we talk about drops or rises at the pump, we can blame crude oil prices or we can think, you know, is that shopkeeper making a mint on the fuel? It's generally not the case. The reason we pay what we do is largely to fund government's pocket. And we're not going to see a change in that any day soon, are we? Uh, unlikely, I think, you know, we were fortunate within the most recent budget where there was no change to the carbon tax. It's certainly still on government's agenda to keep that under review. So uh, what comes down the line, we will see in September and October of this year with the next budget, but uh, a cause for concern, I think. OK, we leave it there. Uh, Barry, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. That is Barry Oldworth, who is Senior Media Officer uh, with the AA. And I've just uh, spotted a text in. We're talking about West Cork and the fact that Heidi was highlighting 113, 131 against 118, the difference between diesel in Dublin and diesel in West Cork. And Heidi just makes the point, uh, Patricia, we've got fuel refineries in Bantry. It's uh, close enough. Should 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 we not be getting cheaper petrol in uh, West Cork? Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. We need to take a break. We've news at eleven on the way in the next hour. Hearing about uh, landlords looking for personal information, including links to social media, to consider a renter to rent their property. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. C103 Now lots of 
texts and calls and comments are coming in and before I get to them can I just give you the update on the water situation in Charleville that I opened the programme with because we were getting calls and texts in from people saying they woke up this morning to no water uh, the Irish water we've been on to them uh, a burst uh, may affect supply to Holy Cross Place well it is affecting supply to Holy Cross Place in Charleville and the surrounding areas and they reckon uh, the water outages will be there until about one o'clock today uh, also Councillor Ian Doyle from Charleville has just passed Holy Cross Place and the council workers are working on it at the moment okay I, once people know that that's been sorted out I did mention that in the last hour people will feel a little bit happier about it knowing that they're working on it so by, by one o'clock you should have your water uh, back. And just something else that came up on the programme last week when John Paul was sitting in the hot seat. Richard in Castletown Roach had contacted us. He was owed a rebate from AIR. Now it was a rebate of €41. Euro. Not a huge sum of money but it was Richard's money and Richard wanted it back. He'd been on to AIR and they kept saying uh, oh yeah, yeah, checks in the post kind of thing and he kept getting correspondence from them saying yeah, you're owed this money, yeah, you're going to receive it soon but nothing, absolutely nothing with was happening. Anyway, C103 we contacted AIR on Richard's behalf and even though last Friday Richard said he'd been on to AIR for a full 79 minutes. He, t- he timed the length of his phone call but 10 minutes after we contacted AIR, lo and behold Richard got a text to say they're going to issue a cheque within uh, 10 days. The power of the media and all that. But it just annoys me that we have to do that on behalf of somebody that we have to make contact with these organisations and just because it is a local radio station is, or a national radio station is contacting them that suddenly they pull out all the stops and they sort out the problem. The problem should have been sorted out. It, it, it should not have needed a phone call to us here at C103. But I'm delighted for you, uh, Richard, and let us know when the 10 days are up and your cheque uh, arrives and have fun spending your €41. Euro. You've, worked, you've worked long and hard and you to get that rebate back. We were talking about Brian Crowley in the last hour and the news that he is holding a press conference and we think this is his first press conference since he was re-elected as an MEP in 2014. It's a press conference in on Thursday. We're going to have to wait until Thursday where he will discuss his recent health and also his future plans. And he's also willing to cover all topics raised by the media. There will be a lot of questions, I think, put forward by the journalists who will attend that uh, press briefing and everyone else speculating and wondering uh, will Brian Crowley run again or is this Brian Crowley going to go public saying no due to ill health he is uh, going to retire as a politician he has been a very very popular politician and as Barry Roach was pointing out if he does decide to run again a lot of that you know he is a vote getter he is a vote getter and even though he hasn't sat in parliament for the last four uh, over four years now I I think yeah I think if he decided to run again, I, I'd, if I was a betting person, I'd be putting money on that he would retain his seat. Now, whether he'd still top the poll or not, only time uh, will tell. Tim says the first directed, the first direct election for the European Parliament was back in 1979, and Munster was a five-seater then. Among those elected was T.J. Marr. Do you remember T.J. Marr? He was the farmer's representative and Eileen Desmond of Labour. Where are Labour now, says uh, Tim. Well, I'm assuming now that Ireland's scythe is going back to a five-seater, from a four to a five-seater, I'm assuming that the Labour Party are going to push like mad in the election in May to try to get a Labour candidate elected. At the moment, we've one Fianna Fáil, two Fianna Gael and one Sinn Féin. 
people are saying, you know, Leonie Rhea's seat should be okay, the two Fine Gael seats should be okay, and then it leaves the other two open. I mean, there is is there a seat for Fianna Fall if Brian Crowley decides not to run? And where would that fifth seat go if Brian Crowley ran as an independent? Would it go to him with one seat going to Fianna Fáil? Would that push out Labour? Or, or will Labour manage to get a seat in uh, Ireland South? It's something we're going to be discussing in a lot more detail, I can tell you, uh, between now and May. Now, I mentioned earlier as well that we had a text in from one of our listeners who had her smear test done on the 18th of July and no results yet. And So we put it out there to see were others waiting as long? And did anybody know what's the roughly what is? I thought it was about three, four months was the delay. But I mean, a smear done in July, that's now six months ago. Well, I can tell you, we a flood of women have contacted us, including Anne, who says, Hi, my smear test was done on the 27th of July. So the week after our initial uh, texture. And I got my results last week. All good, thank God. That's great to hear, Anne. But there's somebody who has waited almost uh, well, a little bit longer now than our, our uh, initial texter. And then there was some WhatsApps in. Hi, I waited over four months for my results. Now, the texter said, I also had my smear test done in July and I'm still waiting. So there, the fact that Anne got her results last week, having had her smear test done at the end of July and the results out last week, I take it now they're working on smears. God, they're back six months, if that's the case. So that's a kind of a word of warning to anybody else who's out there uh, worried. And, and people do worry. You, you, you do. When you, any, when you get any of those kind of tests done, uh, you do worry about it, even if you don't have any symptoms at all. But there is this, you know, I think as Anne put, thank God, you know, good, she got a good result. There is a sense of relief when that letter comes to the post or you get the phone call from your GP practice to say your results are in and, and, and nothing showed up. Because another listener says, Patricia, I know you're talking about the smear tests, but to make women wait six months is not only appalling, it's criminal. I was tested for breast cancer at the end of October. I waited two weeks for the results and that was a very, very long two weeks. Uh, I'm now halfway through my first 12 week weeks of chemotherapy. Oh, bless your heart. I know it's breast cancer and not cervical cancer. Nevertheless, have the HSC learned nothing with regards to smear testing? Can I wish you... Uh, good luck with your treatment and let us know how you get on and, and I look forward to the day when you text to say that you have received the uh, all clear but you are right you would think that the HSE should have learned so much from the smear test and Vicky Phelan was only out at the weekend uh, criticising the, the, the Taoiseach over the government's handling of the cervical check uh, crisis she was at an event in, in Limerick at the weekend where she described Leo Varadkar as all talk and no action and added that she didn't get the sense that Leo Varadkar that he was treating the issue with uh, sufficient importance now she was full of praise I have to say for the health minister Simon Harris but she certainly wasn't uh, in any way fulsome in her praise of the Taoiseach so you would like to think that they had uh, they had learned something from what happened I, I'm i assuming if we get on to the HSC to try to find out what are the delays the delays I take it are down to the number of people who went forward remember after Vicky Phelan went public remember it's all thanks to Vicky Phelan that we're even discussing this today she was asked when she uh, was 
getting her settlement for what happened to her. Uh, she was asked to sign a confidentiality clause and she said, no way, I have nothing to hide here. I want other women to know what's going on. She was very, very brave that time. And because of that, then the whole debacle of what happened with Survital the survival screening scandal uh, came to light and then of course after that to try to allay the fears of other women who had had a smear test and got a, got a clear result and, were, and then were starting to think could I be could there be something wrong here everybody then was offered a retest free of charge so a lot of women did go forward and that's obviously flooded the system and with the because you'd have the normal amount of smears that they would be doing over that period of, of time but with all of the others from the last two or three years of women not, not everybody went forward but, it, but you know, a big proportion of women decided and rightly so if they were worried in any way decided to go forward so there was a lot of extra smears that got into the system so I take it that's the reason but six months does seem a very very long time we will try to get on to the HSE just to find out is that now the average because again just if, if a woman is going forward for a smear if she knew when she went for the smear that she was going to be waiting six months it might you know you might kind of just put it to the back of your head and think okay I don't need to worry about this until the six months and then my results are coming in but to be sitting there waiting and waiting and uh, waiting and of course the other thing is give a you know, put a call into your GP even though I know GP practices are, are very busy but put a call into the GP practice as well because I don't know I know with breast check you get the result is sent out to your breast checks and the results directly to, to, to the house, to the woman's house. I don't know, can't remember with the smear test. It's been a while now since I've had a smear test. It's, is it the GP practice? It is the GP practice, isn't it, where you get the results as opposed to have been sent out? So maybe just a call through to the GP practice. Maybe the results are in and they just have been busy and haven't, haven't had time to get back to you. But just to let the original listener know, you're not on your own. There's a lot of other women have been waiting uh, the six months as well. And then a huge response to my interview with Barry Aldworth from the AA when he was talking about fuel prices, petrol prices in particular, have hit a 16-month low with diesel as its lowest since last April and people giving, giving examples of where they're a good value when it comes to buying petrol or diesel. And the AA are saying to all of us not to be loyal when it comes to filling up with your petrol. We have a tendency to go to the same garage every single week to fill up our petrol. But to, you know, keep be observant when you're driving around and know the price at your own garage and then be observant when you're passing other garages. And if you see the price of petrol or diesel is lower than it is at your own garage and you're coming close to needing a fill, then go into the other garage. That is the message uh, to shop around from the AA. Somebody says in Castle Island last Sunday, diesel was at 122 at super value, says this texter who added, I filled up. Uh, obviously cheaper than the, the diesel they were getting at their own garage. Uh, somebody else says, uh, was in Galway over Christmas and diesel was at between 121 and 126 a litre, which was cheaper than what it was in uh, Cork. And I know a string of people contacted John Paul, including Billy and Bandon, who says all along there was only 10 cent between the price of petrol and diesel. Why did diesel go up so fast in price and petrol has come down? And unfortunately, that's a great question for Barry Aldworth, which I didn't see when I had Barry on the line. I might get John Paul to pick up the phone and put a call through to Barry just to, to get an explanation on that, because you're right. I've noticed that as well. There was always a bigger 
difference in price between diesel and petrol. And one of the reasons for it, I know, is to do with the, with, with tax. Was one of the main reasons. There's less, there's more tax on petrol than there is on uh, diesel. But the gap between the two is is certainly getting closer, getting closer. We'll see if we can get an answer on that or if anybody else knows the answer to that. Why is diesel seeming to get more expensive in relation to petrol and petrol seems to be coming down in price relative to uh, diesel. John in Watergrass Hill says the majority of the oil coming from White Gate, the majority of our oil comes from White Gate. But yet when I travel to areas far away from West Cork, the price can be three to five cents cheaper than they are where we live in uh, Watergrass Hill. You would assume the nearer you are to Whitegate, wouldn't you, that the petrol or the diesel would be cheaper, but that certainly is not the case. Mike in Bantry says, by the way, just to point out, there's no oil refinery in Bantry. It's only a storage facility. It's owned by a private private company. Uh, but Mike says, I was in Ornmore in Galway, 121 for diesel, and in Lasarda, it was at 134, and in Bantry, also 134, and they were all Topaz, which is now Circle K stations. That's a big difference isn't it 121 in Galway drive down to West Cork and you'll get it for 134 Joseph in Killa I was in Kilkenny last weekend and diesel was at 119 while I was driving through the city and uh, the average price was between 134 and 135 again a big big difference Emer in Canturk I often travel travel to Castle Island or any indeed petrol stations in Kerry it's always cheaper than our own here in Cork. Why is that? Why are petrol and diesel prices in Cork higher than they are in uh, Kerry? Recent examples of Zemer, 129 in Kerry and 133 here in uh, Cork. And Liz in Ballinhasic says, I'm happier when I see new petrol and diesel stations opening with different brands. I feel for a while we've had three brands in Ireland, but now we've new brands, which has got to be good for price. And John in Kildallery, diesel is 131.9 and on the Nace Road coming out of Dublin, 114. The difference is crazy. But driving from work and the when, while driving from work, John is one of those very observant pe- people. So he's watching all the four courts. He says the prices really there are big, big variations. So we're going back to that issue to make sure you shop around, keep an eye on the petrol prices, know how much petrol price is in your area, and then you'll know if you're getting a better value when you pass a four court. Uh, if you see the price is lower than what you have been uh, paying, and just on diesel prices, we are this is to do with the amount of tax that we pay on diesel and on petrol we have been robbed by Fianna Gael says Pat no one to stop them it's a disgrace the con- they have the country destroyed that is from Pat and just on a completely different issue listener who doesn't want her name called out that that is fine uh, says Patricia I was reading in the Avenue newspaper last week that the gaming arcade is opening on the main street in, Mich- in Mitchellstown Patricia I feel this is a real real shame it will cripple some families Families, particularly families who have gambling addiction in their households. My God, I was talking to a few people just yesterday. They're at their wits end living with gamblers and they were very upset. They are already uh, struggling. We have three betting shops in the town of Mitchestown already. Uh, and what will happen when this gaming arcade opens? What will happen? These craters is the worst that this um, listener has put on, uh, put in the text. Uh, what a shame. 
Yeah, and there's there's always locally nobody wants to see gaming arcades open for that very reason. I mean, people can go into a gaming arcade and see it as a little bit of fun and go in and spend, you know, a few euro and then come out. But unfortunately, if you are addicted in any way or have any type of an addictive personality and you have something like that on your door on your doorstep and I always feel of all of the addictions gambling is one of the really hidden ones isn't it because you, you know you don't see it and, and, and for many families they don't even find out about it sometimes until it's uh, too late and you can lose so much money in short, such a short period of time now I know you know we, we know the of the other addictions alcohol and uh, drugs and, and the problems that that, create, that creates but equally whole families get destroyed when there's somebody in, in the house particularly if it's the main breadwinner who is a gambler 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Shane Casey Electrical, they're based in McCroom. They are recruiting for an apprenticed electrician. They're also looking for a qualified electrician and they're looking for a general operative. Part-time childminder is wanted to mind a three-year-old that's in the children's, uh, child's own home. It's in the Newmarket area. The Cork Association for Autism, they're looking for care support workers. The closing date for applications is next Monday. And an Arctic truck driver is wanted for full or a part-time position on a large tillage farm. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Tenancy Protection Charity Threshold has issued a warning Warning about the growing volume of personal data being sought by landlords and letting agents at the pre-letting stage of renting in the private market. Regina Baylor of uh, Threshold joins me. Good morning to you, Regina. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Regina, what sort of information are landlords looking for and why? Um, they seem to be looking for PPS numbers. Um, they seem to be looking for more personal information, such as um, your income, um, are you in receipt of uh, social housing benefits? Um, some there's reports that they're actually even going on fa- social media to see, you know, what type of person you are. And do would be tenants do they feel they have to give this information if they want to be even considered for the property? Well, the thing there will be an imbalance between a prospective tenant and an agent who might give you a viewing. Um, unfortunately. Um, they feel that they're obligated in some way, even though the Department of Social Protection um, state that PPS numbers should only be given at a stage where it's needed, such as uh, signing a lease or registering with the RTB. But not to be considered for a viewing for a property? Absol- absolutely not. Absolutely uh, not. And, and, and even... And, ch- and checking out somebody's Facebook page or, or you know, asking for their employment history, it, is any of that an illegal practice? Well, it could be said that, number one, uh, checking out the thing is with social media, Patricia, as you know, there's a lot of um, public stuff on, a lot, lot of public stuff shared. Yeah. So I suppose, uh, number one, if they gather pictures of, um, we say it could be for a family status, person could be in another relationship, they're moving in with their new partner. There's no children involved, but the, the landlord goes or the agent goes on and sees there's children in the picture. Number one, um, if they access any uh, 
children's data, they must obtain the consent of the guardian, which obviously they haven't. And as well as that, it could lead to discrimination. Um, I would advise any potential, I would advise all tenants to put, uh, you know, change the platform settings on their social media and, you know, to put everything private. Mm. Because we've got GDPR and, you know, I mean, and the holding of personal information. Yeah, the thing is, there's severe financial penalties and compensation for breach of data, um, for breach of data. Now, um, like there's under the data protection principles, it must be obtained and processed fairly. So if there's an imbalance where the landlord or the agent is asking for personal information and the client feels, you know, pressurising to give it, then it's not obtained fairly. Uh, it should be used only for the purpose that it was gathered in the first instance for. So, like, why are you looking for a PPS number for viewing? Mm. It must be case, uh, kept safe and secure. And whereas any big organisation would have a, a lot of um, IT security and firewalls in, you don't know what the smaller organisations have. That's a good point. Maybe, you know, it could be, it could be taken. Um, it must be accurate up to date. And it must be disclosed only in the line of the original purpose. So the PPS number should be only given when the lease is to be signed for the purposes of registering the tenancy. Um, it's, it, number six is that it's not excessive, but relevant and adequate. So why would you want to go on, any agent go on and look at, um, you know, pictures of Instagram or their Twitter account or their Facebook account? Like, that is not relevant is excessive. But Regina, can landlords justify it by saying that they want the best tenants to rent their properties? Well, I suppose every landlord wants the best tenant to uh, rent their properties. But at the same time, like people have the right to some privacy, you know, so therefore, again, I would reiterate that people should set all their, their social media uh, accounts to private. Obviously, if it's in the public arena, anybody can see it. Do you believe the private rented sector is now not an even playing field? Oh, absolutely. And like, even it says, you know, that, okay, the the agent may look for proof that you can pay the rent. Yeah. But, you know, if they ask for employment references and you're on HAP, or you're on rent supplement, then obviously you can't provide them. And then that's discrimination. And anybody who feels, number one, that their privacy has been invaded in relation to a viewing, or if they feel that they they have been discriminated by an agent in relation to the housing assistant ground, they can call us here at... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thresholds and we will follow up their case. Are you still hearing from people who feel that they are meeting landlords who simply don't want the HAP scheme? Absolutely. We are, and we take, we've taken quite a number of cases to the WRC. We've also contacted landlords and agents, and once we inform them that this is discrimination now, and, you know, the grounds of discrimination is quite valid, then a lot of them would kind of sign the, the rent supplement forms or the HAP forms. Do you think that the HAP scheme is, is fit for purpose, that it is good, that it's, can give you any understanding why landlords don't want to use HAP? It is fit for purpose and it is good. Uh, um, I suppose the only downside of it is that the the rent is paid in arrears. So yeah. the rent is paid one month in arrears. And some uh, um, agents or landlords, I suppose the landlords may have a cash flow problem and they just can't deal with being one month in arrears. But that's the, that's the main fault. You think. Other than that, you think it's working very well? Oh, absolutely. It's working very, very well. Because it replaced the old rent supplement, didn't it? Well, the rent supplement is still available for specific reasons such as short term. So we say if I went out and God forbid that I broke my leg and I would be out for two months or something, that's when the rent supplement would kick in. But it's only for short term issues. Okay. All right, Um, Regina, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on on the programme. You're more than welcome. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Regina Baylor there, who is with uh, Threshold, where they are seeing a growing uh, volume of potential renters being asked by landlords to pass on very personal information indeed. Be careful of the information but also as Regina said be very careful what's already out there. All the landlord needs is your name and if you've got a public setting on any of your social media platforms it's very very easy uh, for people if they want to build up their own picture of what they perceive you to be and that can be very very different what you put up on Facebook can be very different to what you are uh, in reality. 18 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp at 0862 103 103 Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 the C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. This is the Cork Today. Replay on C103. Well, we're talking about the information that some landlords are looking for personal information. A listener says, when I handed keys in to the local guard the station that I found, not only did I have to give all of my details, but they even asked me for my date of birth. Do you know why they did that? I have no idea. 
when you're handing when you're being really honest and handing the keys in in the hopes that they will be returned to the rightful owner I, I could understand why they would want your name and address because obviously the owner of the keys might want to contact you and say thank you or give you a little bit of a reward but why the Gardaí would want your date of birth for finding a set of car keys I have no idea 1850 333 103 now tomorrow week Wednesday the 23rd of January a plaque will be unveiled in Glenahalla National School to honour the memory of Major General Liam Tobin who played a pivotal role in the War of Independence. To tell us more about Liam Tobin I'm joined by one of the organisers of this brand commemorative plaque local Mitchellstown historian uh, Bill Power. Good morning to you Bill. Good morning Patricia. Uh, and, you, and you are welcome. Firstly Liam Tobin's connection with North Cork is through his father. That's right yeah. Liam, Liam Tobin basically uh, both his parents were from the North Cork area, but his father in particular was from Mitchellstown, or just outside Mitchellstown, a town called Caliphon. Um, in fact, if you're driving from Mallow to Mitchellstown, you drive through that townland and you pass the house that he was born in. Um, and uh, this, this man, his father, basically became um, a hardware apprentice in Cork, and Liam Tobin later on then becomes a member of that family. Um, okay, and, and, eight, and he was born in Cork City, wasn't he? And he was that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. He was born in eighteen ninety five. So by the time of of the War of Independence, he was still quite a young man, you know. Okay, he was Deputy Director of Intelligence under Michael Collins, and it was from early in, in nineteen nineteen. Tell me the role he played. Well, anybody watching the RT television series of Warm Resistance will see the significance of the spying that went on in Dublin Castle. And the Republicans had the insight in what was going on with British rule in Ireland because of the spies they'd in there. And basically, Liam Tobin was Collins' right-hand man, and Liam Tobin controlled the spy network in Dublin Castle. So in that sense, the intelligence that he was responsible for gathering was incredibly important, important in the War of Independence. He was described as one of the uh, Twelve Apostles. The Twelve Apostles, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lovely term, but it, it didn't uh, it didn't necessarily convey that they were nice people by any means. Um, these were the men, basically, who set out to um, single out, if you like, find targets for the IRA to kill during the War of Independence. This, these were basically people who were deemed to be, for example, army officers, um, RAC men, spies anybody who was seen to um, be in significant positions. And uh, basically they set out, they gathered intelligence on them and they selected targets. And this, you know, it was very ruthless, but it was part of the times that they lived in. It was war. It was war. war. He then, in 1921, travelled to London with the Irish Treaty delegation. He went with Michael Collins. Yeah, this is how close he was really to Collins. he, he was very much the right-hand man with Collins. Collins brought him over to London. I mean, we'd all love to know what happened in the background there, but I suppose we never will. And then uh, Tobin, in turn, became a supporter of the um, Anglo-Irish Treaty, which ultimately brought about the existence of the Irish Free State and the Republic that we have now. Um, and uh, in the course of the war, he pops up in various guises. For example, um, he was the officer in command of the Irish soldiers who took control of Fomoy um, in the Civil War in 1922. And Fomoy was the last town held by the IRA in the Civil War. So 
So I actually have a photograph which I published in one of my books and I was the one who identified him. There was an officer standing in the middle of a huge crowd who welcomed the Free State Army into Formoy and Tobin is actually in the middle of it. But nobody wow. knew who he was until they found him. Um, and he, he sort of, then at, at the end of the, the Civil War, um, he essentially had a, a major disagreement with the Free State Government over how they were disbanding and how they were treating the um, former Free State soldiers who were no, no longer required, really, because the, the war, Civil War was over. And ultimately, in uh, 1927, he repaired his differences with de Valera and joined the Fianna Fáil party. So he, he crossed and, both sides of the fence. And he, 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 as you say, he was, and obviously was very close to Michael Collins. I mean, he was, he was one of the, he was the chief pallbearer, wasn't he, at Michael Collins' That's funeral? That's right. Yeah. There, there, there are some remarkable photographs that survived of, of Collins' funeral. And the one that, that comes to my mind immediately is, Collins' coffin being shouldered through Cork City to the gunboat that brought him to Dublin. And the, the very front pallbearer on the right-hand side, if I remember correctly, is actually Liam Tobin. And you see him in the same position again in photographs in Dublin afterwards. And we can also be thankful to him because he was responsible for saving Lismore Castle. Yeah, that, that was something that I was quite intrigued about again in a book I was working on. Um, I discovered that uh, Tobin, during his time in command of the forces in Formoy, got wind that the IRA was planning to um, burn Lismore Castle. Now, they'd already burned a huge amount of properties in North Cork at that stage. Some military, but most of them were not military targets. And Tobin um, basically organised the dispatch of Free State soldiers to Lismore. A firefight took place between the Free State soldiers and the Republicans who were attempting to burn the castle. The Free State soldiers won. And you can still go to Lismore Castle. Now, obviously, on request in this case, and I have seen this, the, the um, Duchess of Devonshire at the time, uh, when they returned to the castle after the war, uh, there was a window there where the, the shell casings um, being ejected from the rifles had taken plaster off the wall, uh, the wall inside the windows. And in one of the windows in the castle, the Duchess had um, had it framed in glass as a reminder of how close they came to losing Lismore Castle. And wow. I, I've seen that in recent years. I went down there and shown it. So, you know, you can imagine that alone he would deserve credit for having saved that building. Yeah, and then as you say, he 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 built he rebuilt relations with uh, the, his civil war foes and and joined yeah. De Valera's uh, Fianna Fáil party. Yeah, he did, and he was involved in later on in setting up the Irish sweepstakes, which oh. most of us played at some point. Absolutely, yeah, younger, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was very much involved in the early years of that. Um, and uh, as they say, died in his bed in 1963, and was fortunate to be able to do so, you know. So t- had, tell me so what's yeah. what's the plan for, ne- for next week and, and how so this plaque has come about. How the plaque has come about is that uh, Tobin has a relative in Australia who contacted myself and actually Casey, who people will know as the former parish priest of Mallow, and he's actually originally from Mitchellstown. And uh, she also contacted Gabriel Doherty in UCC. And basically, um, out of these contexts, um, a plan was put together to put a, a plaque in his memory somewhere around the, the Clallyfan area. So the obvious place really at the end of the day was Clannacolla National School. Um, it, again, it's a school people will know passing on the Manor Mitchellstown Road because mm. it's, 
literally on the road and it's, it's a modern school and there they've, they've a young dynamic principal there um Padre Fitzgerald and it's it's great little school. And uh, we approached them and they were very keen to do this. So they have built a whole sort of event around the unveiling of, of the plaque and they have activities going on in the school that morning. They're the children are doing a presentation on local history and they'll be talking about John Mandeville and, and um, Peter O'Neill Crowley and all these local heroes back along. And then um, they're also going to be do they're also going to make the, the school roll books available for people to see on the day and they've invited in the public to be part of it. Um, and the idea is, you know, that, that this is, is somebody that they want to, to be proud of and it's, it's a nice association for, for the school to have because that's where Tobin's parents and ancestors would have gone to school. I think it's a nice, a nice, nice link. And it's also nice that it's happening on the eve of the centenary of the first sitting of Dáil Éireann because Liam Tobin went on to become the superintendent of the Oireachtas of the Irish Dáil. That's right. And look, I suppose what, what, what we are inclined to forget sometimes, really one of the most significant dates of that period um, was the 24th of January when Dáil Éireann sat for the very first time. I mean, Ireland didn't have a democratic parliament at any stage in its history. And even the parliaments that we had in the 1700s, you know, you couldn't call those democratic. Whereas here in, in, in January 1920, uh, I remember my years. 1919, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm still trying to remember. I'm in 2019. I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know, the, the um, that really was an incredibly important date that we seem to have just sort of I know there are some events in Dublin happening next week, but it's kind of been forgotten, yet yeah, it's incredibly yeah. important. Yeah, you're and right. As far as, as far as I'm aware, and the event in Glendahoda and the lecture that was, that was taking place in Mitchellstown, as far as I'm aware, they are, they're the only events in North Cork that are going to mark the centenary of, of the, the meeting of the first dawn. Well, well done for getting involved uh, uh, in it. Um, and uh, somebody else is pointing out that Liam Tobin was, was portrayed by uh, Br- uh, Brendan Gleeson in the, the Neil Jordan, the, the movie That's he was, right. yeah, Michael Collins. Um, OK, so, and it's, is it open to one and all, uh, Bill, what's happening next yeah. week? Well, I suppose the two key events next week are the events in school at 12 noon, open to the public and anybody who wants to come in and see the plaque. Um, the plaque is designed by Liam Lavery and Esther Ring. They're also North Cork based. Um, and there'll be refreshments and, and sort of some entertainment on, on that part of the day. And then at 8 o'clock that night in the Town Hall in Mitchellstown, Mitchellstown Irish Society are doing a lecture which will be given by Gabriel Doherty. Gabriel um, is a specialist in that period of Irish history. From UCC. Just UCC. So, yeah. yeah, we live them that night and both events are open to the public and obviously the more the merrier. You know. All right, it, all right. That's great. That's great. And and can, can I just say, can I just say that the principal of the school, he's really put his heart and soul into this. He's been a great supporter from the very beginning. Um, I, they have a lovely phrase in the school which is brilliant. A small school with a big heart. It's fabulous for children to get involved. It's almost like living history for them. Uh, and I guarantee you in 20 years time uh, if you talk to those uh, the the, the children will be involved next next week. They will remember that day. I think so. Yeah. I, I've always, always been an advocate that you can talk about 1916 and you can talk about all sorts of things that happened in Dublin. But if you can talk about somebody local or something yeah. local, people in Ireland can relate to that in a very particular way. 
and in primary school children, um, I mean, I, I know that, that I have a particular memory from my childhood, which is that my step-grandmother, I remember her telling me that she was standing beside one of the men in Mitchellstown in 1887 when he was shot. Now, she was only four at the time. You remember these things as a child. Mm. So that's, for me, a memory that takes me, even though, obviously, well, I hope I wasn't there anyway, but it takes me back to 1887. Yeah. Kids will pass these things on to the next generation as well. God, what an incredible thing for a four-year-old child to have to witness. Oh, yeah. It, it was, uh, and she, she, the man who was killed, he was 17, and I remember her telling me when I was a child, it was only maybe 10 or 12 at the time, I vividly remember her telling me that she was standing beside him. Yeah. And, and I have to admit, and here is another story, it was only much later in life and in relatively recent years, I ended up discovering that she was actually related to Gary Fitzgerald. Oh. <laughs> so, so you could argue that Gary Fitzgerald had a connection to the Mitchell Star shootings of eighteen eighty seven, which were also De Valera's earliest childhood memory. He was right. also four and remembered this being read out by family members in the house in Brewery. Oh, you're, you're a mine of information as, as always uh, Bill we leave it there good luck with the event next week Wednesday the 23rd of January and thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us today thank you Patricia bye 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 historian bye-bye. Bill Park you're listening to Cork Today on Replay phone and text lines are currently closed this is Cork Today Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103 Cork's greatest hits C103 
Jalora Soriardan fronting the Cranberries, a lovely memory owed to my family. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that it was a year ago today since we lost the wonderful talent that was Jalora Soriardan. And I, I, I thought it was a lovely gesture that her bandmates, Fergal Lawler and uh, Mike, the brothers Mike and Noel Horgan, issued a message on their website saying that the most meaningful thing that they could do to remember Dolores uh, O'Riordan was to finish the album that they had started with her. The album called In The End is going to be released later this year but the first single is being released uh, today to coincide with Dolores' first anniversary. And just before she was found dead on this day in London she had completed and recorded all of the vocals to the final demo stage on 11 new songs which will feature on that new uh, album. Her bandmates described Dolores' death as devastating and unexpected. They say as time passed, we began to think about how we might best honour our close friend and bandmate. This was a very painful process, they stated on their official website. They say it was a very emotional process uh, for all. There have been difficult moments during the recording sessions, particularly the, the first few days and the last few days. And they added in their statement that they would like to take the chance to thank Dolores and our families and friends and all those who had worked with the band over the years to the fans who stood by them for the past 30 years. Thank you, they say. Without you, none of this would have been possible. And they've dedicated what will now be their final album to our dear friend and bandmate Dolores. She will always be with us in the music and this Uh, Today, to remember Dolores on her first anniversary, fans and musicians alike are uh, remembering Dolores uh, with the Piano for Dolores. It's an all-day event which is happening on Patrick Street in Limerick. The venue features images of Dolores with the cranberries and lyrics from some of her most famous songs. However, the focal point is going to be, or is, a piano. And of course, the piano was Dolores O'Riordan's uh, favourite instrument and it's called Piano for Dolores. And the Riordan family are going to, of course, be presented with a special posthumous award at the University of Limerick on Friday and that's for the singer's contribution to Limerick's cultural and music scene. And we remember the late, great uh, Dolores O'Riordan today. And it is true, she will always be with us in her music. And Anthony uh, Pickford, one of our listeners in Limerick says, remembering Dolores O'Riordan, our talented lady, I loved her music. It will always live on. I'll, I will never forget this day last year when I heard of her passing. I hope wherever she is today, she is entertaining all in heaven, says uh, Anthony, who managed to get to hear uh, Ode to My Family that we just played there because he's on a break at the moment. Uh, good to have you along, um, Anthony. And thank you for your text or your WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. Some of your call. Now, before we get to some of your, well, this is tied in with a call that we received. If you were listening to the news at 12 midday, you would have heard one of our top stories today. Yet again, it's almost a daily occurrence now, isn't it? The number of people on uh, trolleys and the highest concentration of hospital patients awaiting for a bed today is here with us in the Munster area. University Hospital Limerick, 54 patients. There's 50 at South Tipperary and Clamel and Cork University Hospital again in the top three 49 
patients waiting for a bed. There's 22 awaiting a bed at the Mercy Hospital and in Bantry there's eight uh, awaiting a bed. 606 patients uh, already admitted to hospital are now without a bed this morning in hospitals all over the country. And that, by the way, has been the highest since March of last uh, year. Now, of course, that tied in with Cork University Hospital. They have very strict visitor restrictions at the moment because of the number of patients with flu and the winter uh, vomiting bug and the ban on visitors was imposed in CUH last uh, Friday. But it was because of waiting on trolleys and waiting for a hospital bed that Anne has contacted us uh, this morning. Now she's declined our invitation to join us on air but just wants to put it out there on behalf of her husband. Her husband is in the Accident Emergency Department of CUH. He has been admitted but he, like the others, what's the official figure. He's one of those 49 waiting for a bed at, at CUH. And then Anne, Anne felt almost an insult to injury. A nurse was coming around asking the 49 patients to sign a form. The, you know, the form that we've discussed and we keep saying to people, do not sign the form. It's the form asking people if you have private health insurance. If you do, they ask you to sign the form. Then what happens is the hospital charges, now not directly you, but charges your health insurance company for €800 Euro per day. And Anne says, the cheek for the privilege of lying on a trolley. You do not have to sign that form, uh, of course. And if you don't sign it, I think it, it's €80 Euro a day, isn't it, then that the health insurance company has to pay. Now, you know, it isn't directly you that pay. It's, it's, it's whoever you're with, whoever you have your private health insurance with. But indirectly, we all pay because, of course, if every single private patient is being charged €800 Euro a day, while they're in hospital are as answers for the privilege of lying on the trolley ultimately it all gets passed back to us because our premiums end up uh, going up anyway Anne says things are very bad in CUH this morning she said one woman near where her husband is lying on a trolley has already discharged herself says no can't be doing with this can't be doing with this I am simply going home it is just shocking you would just dread getting sick you would dread dread getting sick and I think of people who don't have anybody to advocate on their behalf I mean obviously Anne is there advocating on behalf of her, her husband and she's in and out doing the best she can looking after him but what if you're an elderly person and you don't have anybody around and you're lying on a trolley waiting for a bed and you, you have nobody there to you know keep an eye on you and make sure you're okay and I'd love to say shout enough until you can get a bed but I don't think that works if they don't have a bed they don't have a bed and then in the midst of all of that you think of the poor doctors and nurses who are doing their very best to try to look after these patients and obviously looking at nurses at the moment because we have all of these threatened strike action uh, coming down. Uh, Mary says uh, welcome back. Thank you um, Mary. Uh, Simon Harris has some nerve as Minister for Health. The nurses have told him on several occasions about the many issues that they are concerned about. The reason that they're going on strike is because the government have given them absolutely no other option. I think our nurses are a credit to our country, uh, says Mary, and they're threatening strike action uh, unless they get their paying the pay increase of of twelve percent. Even though any any article I've read or anything I've heard, um, it seems unlikely that they're going to get a twelve percent pay increase. I don't know where this is going to end up. I saw one very brave nurse at the weekend put up her pay packet for two weeks. 
And when I saw it first, the pay packet, you know, it showed the complete pay packet, how much she was paying on tax and uh, PRSI and PAYE, all of the, the deductions and her pension contribution and all of that. And it came out at just over €1,200. And I thought initially when I saw it, I said, oh, that's per week. But that was for two weeks. So for the lengthy hours that she was working, she was coming out with just over €600 Euro a, a week. And she was saying that if she did get rostered on to work on weekends and be away from her husband and, and young young family, she said the most she would get is an extra hundred euros. So it doesn't pay her to work on the weekends. So obviously she's she's, she's doing a Monday to Friday uh, shift, but it was six hundred euro a week was what she was uh, taking home. So she was one of the ones asking people to stand with nurses. And actually on social media over the weekend, I couldn't believe the number of people that had changed their profile pic, particularly on Facebook, saying that they are standing with nurses because I think all of us know either of a family member or a close friend who's a nurse and we all know how hard they actually work but my gut instinct tells me they're not going to get the 12% that they're, they're looking for now whether they'll negotiate and they've gone in at 12% and they'll come out at 3 or 4% I don't know but I, I just my gut instinct tells me they won't get the 12% but it's it's an issue we will follow very very closely indeed uh, Don in Charleville and actually when I'm on about Charleville um, somebody was on because we were talking about the water Anne was on to say Patricia thanks very much for the news about the water break in Holy Cross in uh, Charleville it's nice to know it's going to be sorted shortly kind regards from um, and Irish Water say the water should be back by one and Councillor Ian Doyle said the council are working on it as well so hopefully it's getting sorted you won't have very much longer to put the kettle on and make yourself a cuppa and but thank you uh, for your text and staying with Charleville Don in Charleville was on about a news story that's breaking to say this is great news for Supermax glad that they pursued this as they are really a Mac they provide employment for many years in Charleville. Now, in case you're wondering what, that, what that's all about, that was Supermax taking on the might of McDonald's. Supermax have won. It's a long-running case about McDonald's as to whether Supermax could use the Big Mac. Um, and obviously, McDonald's claim Big Mac is their trade uh, mark. The European Union Intellectual Property Office has ruled that McDonald's have not proven genuine use of the contested trademark as a burger or as a restaurant name. The Irish fast food company has claimed that McDonald's engaged in what they called trademark bullying by registering brand names only to store them away in a war chest to use against further competitors. So... um, Big Supermax have won and they are entitled now to use Mac or Big Mac or a variation of that. And well done because the might of uh, the, the might of McDonald's and all the money that's behind McDonald's, that's, it was a really big, big case for Supermax to take on and good to know that they've won. Now on the date of birth at the Garda station, this was an interesting one. This was a listener who contacted us earlier to say that they found car keys and they handed it into the Garda station to say, look, found the car keys. And then they whoever in the Garda station looked for details and you would assume you'd ask for a name and address but they also wanted their date of birth and say why would they want my date of birth when I'm just handing in a set of car keys that I'd like to get them back to their rightful owner well the Garda have been on to tell us the reason why they ask for a date of birth for that lady or gentleman I don't know who it was that came in by text who handed in, in the keys it's for record purposes when inputting data into the Garda Pulse system they need to have the person's date of 
birth uh, and that's the reason that whenever you go into anything like that to the Garda station anything then there has to be inputted into the Pulse uh, system for their record keeping they need your date of, of uh, birth and then the item obviously is stored in, in their stores for storage and we don't know if the keys ever got reunited or not but that's the reason it's because of all that information gets input in, inputted into the Garda Pulse system. And thank you to whoever from Garda you called a rang to clarify that uh, for us. On Brian Crowley and we await with interest as to what's going to happen at this press briefing that he's called a press conference on Thursday to talk about what's been happening with him from a health point of view and also to discuss his future plans. And the big one now is will he retire from politics or will he say no I'm going to run again and I'm going to go back to the European Parliament bearing in mind that he hasn't been there since he got re-elected in 2014 and that was because of ill health and one of the topics that came up when I was discussing it with Barry Roach of the Irish Times a couple of people were saying well if he'd been out sick for that period of time was he getting paid? Did he get paid a full wage? And it turns out he did get paid a full wage and Barry Roach explained a little over €8,000 a month that's what the wage packet is for an MEP and also €4,000 He's in, can claim that, and he did claim that as well. And that's expenses for the running of his constituency offices. And he had a constituency office in Ireland South, and he also still has his office in Brussels. So he's entitled to the four thousand. So just over twelve thousand um, euro. Um, was that a month or was that a week? I'm, I'm now I have to check that again. It couldn't be a week, is it a month? Let me see. Do I have those figures in front of me? Because I know I was looking at similar figures earlier on um, as well, but. Um, I don't know if I have them straight in front of me, but anyway, it's it's. I think it's eight. It must be eight thousand a month. Could be eight thousand a week, and uh, four thousand on expenses. Anyway, that prompted Anne from Facebook says, "What a wonderful job! If I don't work for years upon years upon years, I'll get sign, signed out and I'll be on illness benefit. I will be able to claim hundred about a hundred and ninety euro a week, not eight thousand euro a month plus four thousand euro expenses. Why do we the voters tolerate such behaviour from our politicians?" What a country, uh, says Anne, commenting on our Facebook page. 1850 We were chatting with um, Threshold, who were talking about tenants who were going forward to try to rent a property and letting agencies and landlords are asking for very personal information, which Threshold feel they're not entitled to and they shouldn't be asking for it. And you shouldn't be passing on the information, even though I think if somebody is desperate to rent a house, you nearly given your, all your mother's information and everything else with it if the property is in the right location at the right price. Gary, now I don't know whether Gary is a landlord or not but Gary said why do they portray landlords as a person that should be got at? If I want to look he must be a landlord if I want to look at a client's details I am the one at the end of the day with a €300,000 property that I must pay for and I need to ensure the person that I put into that house will look after it. So I'm, ty- I'm entitled to know as a landlord who is going into my property so I should be entitled to do what I want to do or be told what I need to be told and I shouldn't have to have the state or any organisation tell me how I conduct my business it always seems to be that landlords are the enemies in these conversations well if you listen to the full conversation I did put that point I did put that exact point forward to Threshold when I said doesn't a landlord because it is his his or her property at the end of the day and you're right some of those properties are very very expensive and they're paying huge many 
accidental landlords they never went out to become landlords but they've ended up with properties that they can't afford themselves and the only way they can pay back the mortgage on it is to rent it out we've, we've heard that countless times so people do I did put that point to threshold you know landlords do have a right to know because we know that landlords unfortunately have been stung by bad tenants 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie Hannam Cara the West Cork branch they're holding a meeting in their new venue of the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon tonight at 20 past 7 The meeting offers parents a safe and comfortable forum to connect with others who understands the depth of their grief and loss. Mitchestown Operation Transformation starts this evening at 7 o'clock from the Leisure Centre. It will run every Tuesday and Thursday for seven weeks. All levels are catered for and the final Couch to 5K will be on Saturday the 9th of March. Bingo is on tonight and every Tuesday night in Bantier Community Hall. This week's jackpot is €6,300. Derry Claw National School, they're accepting enrolments all this week for incoming students for the coming year. Call into the school between 12 noon and 1pm any day up to Friday the 18th or you can contact the school on 028 30328. For my Widows Association, their next meeting is tomorrow Wednesday at the Resource Centre in Fromoy 815. All widows and their friends are uh, welcome. And a collection for the Simon community will be held in the Clonakilty Parish Centre on Sunday next, the 20th of January, between 9am and 1pm. Donations of duvets and duvet covers, sleeping bags, bed sheets, towels, clothing items and all non-perishable food items would be gratefully appreciated on behalf of the Simon community as Clonakilty Parish Centre next Sunday, 9am to 1pm. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now yesterday I mentioned the wonderful photograph on the front page of the Irish Examiner newspaper depicting some of the participants on Yaw's front strand at a fitness walk with Pamela Swain, one of the leaders from this year's Operation Transformation TV programme. And I'm delighted to say Pamela Swain uh, joins me. Good, good afternoon to you, Pamela. Hello, Bruce. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. Though. I know you're in you're in Dungarvan at the moment. I am uh, I'm in Dungarvan, yeah. I'm just getting my feet, um, my gaze analysis done on my feet, yeah. Okay, right. Now, <laughs> you, you must have been thrilled with the turnout for the fitness walk last weekend. I was absolutely over the moon with the turnout, yeah. Like, I was expecting it to be big. But um, I wasn't expecting to be that big. But, like, everyone came from Cove, they came from Tallow, they came from Carrie Tool, they came everywhere. Um, and, like, I have loads of family and friends as well, so it was it was nuts. It was mind-blown. Did, did you get a head count on how many turned out? Um, they reckon, like, 2,500. Oh, on your first first walk? Yeah, on my first walk, yeah, yeah. Because normally that's something that builds over time and people get, you know, more excited about it and more invested in it as, as the TV programme goes on. But shoot, that must be a record for the first walk. They, yeah, they, they said it was a record. Yeah, they said it was the biggest walk in OT in the 12 years that it's on. Like, yeah, so it oh, well done, girl. And and you obviously saw the photograph yesterday. I did, yeah. Yeah, it's I terrific. Saw that photograph. I saw that photograph actually on my way to Dublin on Saturday um, because... One of the, the fellow who took it, like you know, he actually sent it to me. Yeah, it's brilliant. And um, my God, it was unbelievable. It was great. It was it, you know? it was terrific. Yeah. Okay, it never ended. 
as this is our first uh, chat with you, let, let me t- let's take you back. What made you decide to apply for Operation Transformation? Um, what made me decide to apply for Operation Transformation was um, driving in the car with my daughter. Uh, we were going to take the oldest one. She was at a festival and we were singing songs, you know, um, in the car. And like she was picking one, I was picking one, whatever like that. And she started singing this song. She goes, you know this song, ma'am? And I was like, I do, yeah. And it was like, this is me, you know, the greatest showman. Yeah. And um, she says, um, you remind me of that girl. She said, that's you, she said, but without the beard. So, um, Jeannie, I nearly crashed the car, like, you know. And then that week, I was on Facebook and I saw David Crine's, um, you know, appeal for new leaders for the next yeah. year. And there was a meme came up on Facebook and it said, um, if you could only see yourself through your children's eyes. And I thought, like, Jesus, that's the way she sees me, you know. So that was, like, you know, the actual the, the, the slap in the face I needed, like, you know, to actually do something about my weight or whatever, like, you know, because she's her community coming up, like, you know, and I want her to be proud of me, like, you know, not thinking that I, I'm, like, overweight. And, I know, I know, know, I know. And uh, how long have you battled with, with your weight? I mean, did, did you have a weight problem as a teenager? No. No. I was slim out. I had a six-pack and everything when I was, you know, I used to um, sit up before school. I used to sit up on my break. Um, yeah, I was like a size ten, twelve, healthy, not not skinny. Like I was, I was a healthy ten, twelve that way. But you four children. Did you find the weight started to pile on a, after each pregnancy? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think I was kind of never really finished with having kids either until now, like you know. See, I, I think a lot of mothers will identify with that. There'll be a lot of mothers watching the programme going, that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. I was lovely and slim up to when I started having the babies and then the weight, for whatever reason, piled on. Yeah. Well, I think that we kind of take care of the kids. We don't take care of ourselves, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, like my smallest son is going to play school now and he's going from Corpus 12 and Corpus 3 in the day. And that's going to be kind of my time now to, to work on myself, you know, like going forward. Good on you. I'm going to take for myself, like, you know, get walks out there and get my meal preps done and stuff like that, like, you know, stuff that I can't do when they're hanging off of me all the rest of the day, hours of the day, like, you know. And in the past, had you tried fad diets? I've tried every diet. You, can have <laughs> you name one and I'll, I'll tell you if I've done it or not. And did you manage to lose weight on them? Of course I did. But I always lost weight and I, I gained more. You know, I've never stuck to anything. You know, like, I'm after doing durations of different diets and not sticking to it. And, um... I know, like, the success of Operation Transformation, like, you know, everyone keeps the weight off and they continue to do it and extra weight on top of that. And they're, like, the success stories, like, you know, so, like, that's what I want. And you have all the help, like, you know, the four experts, so... Like, yeah, it's great. The support is the support is terrific. Have you set a goal in your head for how much weight you want to lose or is it a particular I dress have. size? Go on, no, tell us. No, I have. Yeah. A, a dress size? <laughs> no, not a dress size. Okay. Really. I've set a weight, yeah. Um, like the lightest I've been in 12 years was 12.5 and that was at my wedding so when I finish Operation Transformation I want to be at 12.4 <laughs> A pound under it and that's that's very very because you weighed in you're 14 stone wasn't it you weighed yeah, in it yeah 14 okay. stone yeah was that a shock or did you know you were 14 stone mm, I was sure look I, I was 14.2 when I applied for it so I had lost 2 pounds oh well done well done <laughs> you were already on the road <laughs> yeah, so I knew I was in and around that anyway. Like, you know, I was a bit nervous now after Christmas and stuff like that to see how much I had put up or whatever. But, um, yeah, look, 14 stone. At least it was bang on the button. So, 
And you are, are you the lightest of all of the five? I am. Yeah. At, okay. at the moment, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they set very realistic goals, like three pounds or something, isn't it? Do, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, um, well, it has to be for everybody to do. Like, you know, like we're not no in for Christie's or Sonia Sullivan, like straight away, you know. So, like, it has to be achievable for all of us and everybody else who's following us. Like, you know, realistic goals, realistic eating, realistic lifestyles. I think that's what they're aiming for, like, you know. And not being hungry, I think, is the big one. I haven't been one bit hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Not a bit. Absolutely. And not. I I remember Wayne O'Donnell. I don't know how much of Wayne O'Donnell did you follow last year from yeah, Mallow. Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, he's like, me and stuff as well. Yeah. And when I was when we chatted with Wayne throughout, because he was the, our Cork contestant last year, and that was the one thing I said to him: "Are you hungry?" And he said, "No, I'm not." You know, he said, not "I don't." Bit. And they've the snacks in between, and yeah. you know, you have to eat five times a day. You have breakfast, a snack, lunch, a snack, dinner. You know, no fizzies, all water, and um, tea and coffee, obviously, in moderation. And just get your exercises in. Is there, so, it, but, but it, what do you miss the most? I mean, were you a fizzy drink? Were um, you crisps, chocolate? Yeah, like Coke Zero and chocolate would have been my thing. Yeah, you actually named my three favourite things. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, Coke Zero, chocolate and potatoes, it would be my downfall. Like, you know, I would just, lo- I love sniffing chocolate as well. I'm, I'm a sniffer. I like to, um, I like to smell it. And, but, uh, and then eat it. And then eat it, yeah. Yeah, love it. So, like, we had a birthday cake for my husband last night now and it was a chocolate cake and I actually was okay with just smelling it and not eating it. You, know? oh, you walked away. And so, yeah. so are you keeping it out of the house where possible? I mean, obviously the birthday had nah, to be... Ah, come no. here. I have three small kids for Christ's sake, you know. Like, it's okay for kids to have a sweet every now and again, you know. Yeah, it will always like, be in the I, house. I, I went for operation transformation, you know. Not my children, not my husband. Like, they're slim out and they don't need to lose weight. If anything, they need to gain weight, so... But you, you know? want to be a role model to your children as of well. Of course I do. Yeah. Like, of course I do. And I think I'm, I'm starting at the right time. Has your weight held you back from doing things? I wouldn't say it's held me back from doing things because I don't regret anything in my life, I'll say, up to this point, but not taking care of myself enough. Okay. That's all, like, you know. I, like, it's never stopped me doing anything. Like, jumping out of a plane or something, like, no. Yeah. It's never stopped me doing anything. And we, uh, saw, we saw the support... Um, with the amount of people that turned out for, for the walk. You've got fantastic support in the community and I'm assuming you've got the, the, the family behind you as well and oh, all of that's going to be oh so important. Yeah. I think that actually spoke for itself, didn't it? That yeah. just spoke for itself. Like, you know, the videos on Facebook and whatever. Like, you can't make that stuff up, like, you know. There's no editing done there or, like, stuff added in or whatever. Like, that was, that was the crowd. That's the all. And, like, they're just amazing. The support I've had is just second to none. It's just unbelievable. My phone is just non-stop happening, messages, phone calls, texts. Um, and they actually keep me going, Joan. I'm on the train to Dublin, Joe, up and down or whatever. That's my time. I, I kind of go through the phone and have a look and see what people are saying to me and whatever. Well done, um, well done. It's, it's amazing. And that, like, that's the reason I'm going to keep it going as well. Like, And of course, you're very well known because you, you work in the Amber Petrol Station, I don't do, you, in, yeah. in yours? Yeah. So everyone will yeah. know you. You know, oh, there's everyone. Pamela from the Amber yeah. Petrol Station. Yeah, I've worked in, like, I'm... I've been working since I'm 14, you know, so I've been working in Super Value, I've worked in the Cash Pot, I've worked in Crowley's Garage, Amber Garage. I'm always I've been in the public eye kind of thing, you know, so I know an awful lot of people and I have an awful big family, so then it's all their friends as well. And, you know, like as I said, like in my interview thing, like it is like cheers, like so everyone knows your name. Yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's a great buzz. We mentioned Wayne O'Donnell. He's just texted in to say, Patricia, it's fantastic that we have another leader in Cork this year. Pamela is going to be a fantastic leader and the Rebel County couldn't have picked a better leader. We'll be following Aww. and supporting her all the way. Well, that's great to hear from Thank Wayne. Thank you so much. So, the Rebels. So, so well done. Are you used to the cameras following you around? Yeah, I'm getting used to them, yeah. I- 
<laughs> he's, he's actually here with me now. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> he is, yeah. He's here with me now. But, um, yeah, like, the first week was full on. Here an awful lot. Um, in my house all the time and whatever. But, like, that's what they have to do. They have to get the first of everything, Joe, you know, to show the public, like, you know, like, yeah. just, you know, there's no nips and tucks going on here. Like, it actually is hard work. It is full on. It is real. And, like, they're trying to portray that across, you know, to, to the public, like, you know, so they have to be with you all the time. I knew what I was signing up for, like, you know. So it's back on tomorrow night. It's Wednesday night, isn't it, tomorrow Wednesday night? night? Yeah, it's the second show. I'm really looking forward to this one now, if I'm honest. Now, um, has has that already been recorded? It has, yeah. yeah. recorded there Sunday, like, you know. Okay, like, so, but you're um, sworn to secrecy as to how much you lost and all that. I haven't a notion. Now, if you, you put a gun to my head, I wouldn't tell you what Yeah, well done. Or well, if I am after losing or whatever. No. Well done. And you're t- tell me, you're in Dungarvan. What did you say you're getting measured? I'm getting a gate analysis done here. A gait um, analysis, okay. Yeah, on my feet, like, you know, to get insoles for my runners, for my training, because my knee was sore. Oh, okay. So, um, they just, um, they're after testing out my feet there now and getting me up on the treadmill and doing a bit of running and stuff and whatever to see what's going on. So, um, it's just that I can go forward, like, and I can actually run that 5K in Phoenix Park in February. That's, it's building up to that, isn't it? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's it. Okay, we look forward to seeing you on the telly tomorrow night, uh, Pamela. And we'll, we'll, we, we, if you if you don't mind, we might catch up with you again next week to see how it's all going for you. Okay, well, we look forward to that. Listen, the best of luck. You have the entire county, and I feel having watched you on TV, you're going to have the entire country behind you uh, as well. And you're a great role model for young mothers, young mothers Thank battling you weight. So, much. so listen, Thank take you. care of yourself. Not okay, bye bye, bye bye. Let her go back to getting her gate sorted out, and and that's nothing to do with the gate that's hanging up uh, outside her front door. That's a Pamela Swain from Yall, one of the leaders in Operation Transformation, and you can see her on the telly uh, again tomorrow night. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Just to confirm and clarify that the Brian Crowley MEP, his wages and expenses is a monthly figure, not a weekly uh, figure. Brian Crowley, like all other MEPs, is still entitled to receive the MEP basic salary of €8,484.05 per month, as well as €4,342 monthly general expenditure allowance and that money the four almost four and a half thousand is the expenses that's to cover office rent telephone and postal charges and other constituency activities and he did draw that down and he was entitled to it even though he's been out on sick leave since he got re-elected in 2014. Now some more of your uh, calls and comments coming in. People wanting to wish Pamela the very best of luck. She's going to do Cork Proud in Operation Transformation Yeah, and I promise we will catch up with her every week uh, during the journey as she loses all of that weight and she will lose the weight. She It will fall off her. I guarantee you guaranteed but done in a very sensible and a healthy way which is what Operation Transformation is all about. Dallin Bandon said I was listening to your discussion with Threshold and the housing issues earlier on on your programme this morning. I also heard on the news earlier how the average price of a house in Cork this year could be as high as €600,000. That's the average price 
for a house in Cork City. That would take three nurses on full pay to pay it off. By the way, they would just pay the mortgage. They wouldn't be able to have anything in the fridge. Where are we going with these prices? They just seem to have jumped, particularly over the last number of years. I feel Fianna Fáil needs to leave this setup of a government as nothing is happening and everything is going up. Also, says Dan and Bandon, why have CAB not gone after developers that ended up in NAMA, went bust and are back out again buying land and property and doing further developments? It's so unfair on the ordinary everyday worker. That's from Dan in Bandon, worried about where and how the housing, uh, the cost of housing is going up all the time. While John and Clannock Kilty contacted us, he was listening to our piece about air. This was, we started the programme earlier with this with the, some a person who had contacted us last week and we managed to get it sorted with air. Uh, John says his dealings with air everything started to go wrong when his line was cut off. He was without a service for a full six weeks. He was onto them almost on a daily basis. He said, one day, like your previous caller, I timed the length of time I was on the line to the air call centre. I was on hold for one hour and 41 minutes. I was in touch with the regulator. They seemed to also lose my phone number somewhere along the line. And in the end, I did manage to get my line restored, but then I had a problem with my bill. My bill almost tripled. By the way, they're investigating that bill at the moment. So while AIR may have great coverage, uh, John and Clonacilty feels that their customer service is not that great. 1850-333-103. This is on giving your information to Angarda Siakona, the person who handed in a set of car keys that they found and was surprised to be asked by the member of Angarda Siakona for their date of birth. Couldn't understand why and got on to us and then we found out the reason for it is that they need to, the Gardaí need to input any of that data into their pulse system in order to do that they need the person's date of birth. A listener by text says, Patricia, why in the name of God would the guards want your date of birth for their records? It's just an excuse. All they want is details of the person's life and we shouldn't be giving it to them. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know anyone who's going to refuse a member from Garda Sheikhan if they ask you for your uh, date of birth. And here's one, and I don't know if we can help out this listener or not, but Marie in Mitchellstown has been on just by text. She said, could you find out for us, please? Is there any refuge bin collection company that would actually call to my house to collect the bin. I live alone, I live off the main road and I have no way of getting the bin out as requested by the company that collect my bins, says Marie in Mitchellstown. Oh, I, I, my instant gut instinct would say no, Marie. I've never heard of a bin company that does it for the very reason, defending the bin companies, they couldn't go down off every main road in order to collect bins for people I have huge sympathy with you that you find yourself in that dilemma that you're on your own there's nobody else in the house that can actually take the bin out for you I'm trying to even think of what could be the solution to you do you have anybody living close any neighbour any friendly neighbour that you could ask that maybe when they're putting their bin out they could call to your house and collect your bin for you uh, as well but listen we'll, I, as a, I, hand on heart I, do, I certainly don't know of any bin company that's not to say that there isn't a bin company out there that does offer that service. Does anybody know Marie is in the Mitchellstown area so it obviously has to be a bin company that collects in the Mitchellstown area that will actually call to the house 
called to Marie's property to collect the bin to em- empty it and then obviously they would need to drop it back because Marie lives alone and she's no way of uh, getting the bin. She physically can't do it herself to get the bin out, out onto the side of the road which is what is co- requested by the bin company. So that's what I leave you. Talk to you tomorrow. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.